Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. Gary Williams and the newest host. Yes, he loves being called a host. Johnson <laughs> Wagner, Five Clubs. More comfortable with the analyst <laughs> term, that's for sure. You, you are a five-tool player. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to you getting started with your own show. Uh, Brendan Young is going to be contributing with you. We got a lot uh, to discuss here because the players, it's not only the, it's not only the event, it's not only who wins. Uh, there was so much meat on the bone from what was announced earlier in the week, the messaging and, and way guys were posturing about the future of, of this tour. But let, let's start with, with the guy who won, Scotty Scheffler, because I was on a show last night and somebody asked me a question about, like, what are you thinking about? That was one of the questions. What I'm thinking is, are we watching a generational player? Are we? I, I think so. And, and we were talking before, his stats from last year, his strokes gain stats, 38th off the tee, fourth a strokes gained approach to the green, uh, around the green, 25th, tee to green, fourth, total strokes gained, fifth, birdie average, he's number two, and he hits it a mile. He's 19th on the, on the tour in driving distance. And you look at him this week, and everything was the same. He was fifth off the tee, fourth into the green, fourth around the green, like first, and he was the longest player in the field. Like, how do you beat this guy? He's so consistent. He's got a good head on his shoulders. I am blown away with the guy. The wins he had last year were big time wins. Waste management, Bay Hill, match play, Augusta. And then this year, what does he do? He wins the designated event at Phoenix and then the Players' Championship. He shows up in big events and seems completely unfazed by the pressure of a moment. Like, he had a five-shot lead and just kept hitting the exact right shots all day on that back nine. Yeah, he, he I mean, all those things you said, like if, if it, let's say you insert, whether it's Rory, Rom. JT, you know, maybe a couple other guys into those numbers, including like number one in distance. So he's hitting it. He's hitting it farther than anybody else. He's hitting exemplary iron shots. Why are we not falling all over ourselves about him? Well, uh, he's, uh, he's an incredible human being. And I think the way he carries himself on the golf course, a lot of people would say it's, it's dull. It's not flashy, but I like that. I like him out there. I think Ted Scott has been a wonderful addition. His caddy caddied for Bubba caddied for Paul yeah. Azinger. And you look at since Ted started caddying for him at the beginning of last year, they're out there. If you're watching them, they're on the 17th tee waiting and they're laughing with each other. Ted keeps him calm, keeps him cool. And I think he makes it look so boring when he wins golf tournaments that that's why people don't fall over him. Um, I, I just thought of this. Um, name me a better. I had a good gig, and the next one was was I'm not going to say five times better. Has there ever been a better caddy transition that Ted Scott has made in terms of Bubba tread how much is left on the tires goes over to to live whatever, and this guy's not 35. He's like nine years younger than that. Name me a caddy who's gotten. <laughs> Bones, but I don't know that you can say going from Phil to TV to Justin Thomas is necessarily as good of a change as Ted just made. But like Bones, Jimmy Johnson went from uh, Steve Stricker to JT. Yeah, that's that's that that was a great transition. Right, there's been a handful. You're right. It, we could think of some others. And, and so look, uh, Scotty Scheffler's caddy that, that Steve Williams obviously. Well, but he's done it a multi. I yes. mean, but he left Tiger and now was Adam Scott. But like, before that's not he even... was with Tiger, I mean, he had Norman. Yep. 
Um, did he have some Ray Floyd in him as he well? He did, absolutely. Okay, God, he had a hell yeah. of a run. But so so Scheffler's caddy that came up with him from the Corn Ferry Tour, Scotty McGinnis, Australian guy, great caddy, really great caddy. But you look at the what Ted did, getting Scotty into these big moments, being able to win, and, and I hate that I'm going to say this, but I look at a guy like Victor Hovland. Yeah. Okay, and he's got a guy named Shea Knight on the bag. He's been with him since the beginning, and Shea is a wonderful caddy as well, but... I wonder what would happen if you threw a guy like Ted Scott onto Victor Hovland's bag. Would would you see Victor Hovland make that same jump? Because the only thing that seems to be holding a guy like that back is his short game a little bit, right? He drives it great, puts it good, and he's just chipping. And I think having having a veteran, having someone push you, I think could be a big leap for a guy like Victor Hovland. Yeah, I, I also think that that you know you talked about you know his qualities as a person. You're not people don't really take sides on Scotty Scheffler. There's an appreciation for, you know, how good he is. But Rama emotes in a way that some people go, God, you know, this guy can be a little bit of a prick. Uh, he runs really, really hot at times. Rory, because he's, he's righteous. And, and, you know, over the course of time, look, overwhelmingly people are very fond of him. But he says enough that you go, well, he can be mildly polarizing. And, and you know, he's not an American, even though he's, there's great affection for him. Scheffler... Like, what are you going to say about him that people are going to go, yeah, you know, that part of him, I, I don't particularly care for. You don't, there's nothing that provocative other than the fact that the golf is damn remarkable. Right. And it's, it's remarkable. And I don't think anybody is as well-rounded as he is right now. I mean, look at his short game, the chip he hit on 12 yesterday, the drivable hole. Did you see it? Yes. He hit a beautiful three, but he's got a big lead and you know, there's water left. Doesn't. Cannot make it. I mean, he could make a few mistakes, but he had a three wood out to the right, tough little chip down towards that water, and he hits it to a, basically a tap in. And then you watch him on 13, hit it into the right spot. He just does everything. The bunker shot on 16. He was left in that bunker, went for it in two, took the trouble out of play, and just hit just the exact shot he needed. And I thought the shot he hit into 17 was remarkable. He hit it right into the middle of the green. It had a little left to right spin and it just kept trickling down that slope. Like he just put himself in position 18. I thought, I, I kind of wish he had just ripped a three iron down that right rough line. But I mean, the putt for par, I, I just am blown away by how consistent, he, how consistent he is. And Thursday, I watched every single shot on PGA Tour Live that he hit Thursday. And I said this in something earlier, number eight, you saw Rom and Rory to a back right pin, one of the hardest par threes on the PGA no, Tour. No doubt. And Scotty Scheffler hits this long iron, dead center of the green, 30 feet pin high left, two putts it for an easy par. And the way he's able to make stress-free pars on hard holes just blows my mind. Yeah, you know, whether it was the chip-in at three on Sunday at the Masters, you know, he had the chip-in on, on two on Saturday, the chip-in on eight on Sunday. You know, I, look, some people have a knack. He has a knack, and that knack is rooted in something that is really sublime to watch, and that is somebody with great hands. And Spieth, after he finished on Sunday, um, was asked about Sheffield. He said, look, I play a lot of golf with him. And, he, and, and it was almost as if he was not 29, talking about somebody who was a couple years younger. It was almost like he was 39, talking about somebody who was a generation removed. He's like, well, I remember when I... And it's like, wow, man, you're not that far removed from when you had all the magic. And he was saying that he has incredible hands. He hits incredible shots around the green. And that, to me, Johnson, is like, look, for all the driving and all the iron play, in these massive events, you're going to miss five, six greens every day. Not for the week, every day, on average. 
And when he's hitting like stone dead little chips from indifferent lies or weird yardages, 22 yards or 31 yards or, or having to clear a bunker, that stuff, that's the difference maker. That's where the great player lives in margins that, that the other player can't, he, he just can't. Well, and I mean, to the point, like he's chipping him close to pretty stress-free up yes. and downs. And, you know, a good chipper chips him to six, seven feet, and they've got to work on that par-saving putter, that birdie chip on the par five. It, it's, it is mind-blowing what he's able to do. And under the most intense pressure, chipping off those fairways at Sawgrass is not easy. He hits pretty much every shot with a 60 degree as well. He can flight it in low, bump him. He can hit it as high as he wants. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty. It's 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 remarkable, and I, I think we're just seeing the beginning of this guy. He's going to be a twenty plus winner on the PGA Tour. I have no doubt in my mind, unless some injury happens. But Scotty Scheffler is the real deal, and and, and I, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player in my mind. Yeah, you know, look, he's he's now sitting at this really small table, and even though the, the players, in in terms of its history, doesn't have what the other what the majors has, it still has more than forty years, and only two guys have held a Masters and a player's title in, at the same time in that year, uh, and that's Nicholas and Tiger. It's a hell of a little a table pretty, to pull, pretty it, good, pull it. Pretty good company. It, it is, but like he did that with like his chipping in the match play last year. He had so many good chips. Maybe one of the other things is like he doesn't play with his hair on fire. It's not like this horrifying amusement park ride, which Spieth is. Smith makes you want to throw up, and then you can't wait for your stomach to settle to get on the ride again. I mean, the the 17 Open Championship, when he hit that ride and took an hour to play that hole. But, I mean, he made bogey, and he got the job done. But look at Smith, what he did on nine. He was two over par on, on, on Saturday or Friday afternoon finishing, and he hits it in the water, basically, drills a guy in the knee, pops out, hits a three-wood up on the front of the green, and chips in for eagle to make the cut. I, like... Scotty Scheffler does not give us that sort of fireworks to your point. He's not the amusement park ride. And in an era where you see McElroy get to three majors or four majors real quick, Spieth get to three, Brooks Kepka get to four, I think a guy like Scotty Scheffler has the head on his shoulders to keep the pedal down and not stall out when he gets to a number. I don't think in the way he talks about being world number one, it's not something that defines him. I think he's so comfortable in his own skin that I, I potentially think we're seeing a guy that can bust through that four major barrier and keep going. You know, um, I, we were talking before the show here about, you know, that, that like he's so normal by all accounts. He's, he's totally normal. We don't, we don't know everything, nor should we, but like, he's not had to get through like this clumsy, do I want to be on social media? I'll let my team do it. Oh, I, I got to divest from it, even though I can't get enough of it. Uh, there's like none of that. There's no like clunky growing up and, you know, now I'm in a relationship and it's very public and people know who she is and who you're of, referring to there. Uh, well, I mean, it could, it could be a lot of people, <laughs> at least a handful. <laughs> who do you think I'm referring to? I don't know. I think I, I feel like you're referring to Kepka on that one. <laughs> no, actually, I wasn't. I wasn't. But like, like trotting around on Netflix in a thong bikini well, by your pool. There you go. There's there's a good example. I mean, even even Spieth. I, I, the conversations I have with people at Golf Channel, like saying, God, I can't believe he got married so young. Like people were interested in, in why he wasn't playing well and was it because of Annie and like, like none of that stuff exists for this guy. And here's the other part, which is for all those stats, which matter, here's the stat that matters most, the skill of winning. Like this guy, this guy won a zillion tournaments as a kid he knows how to get himself into the, the eye of the needle. 
And then he knows how to navigate those things. And here is, this is a very Nicholas thing. Let the other guy make the big blunder. Because, because they're going to. Well, you saw it, uh, he makes his only bogey of the day on number three, kind of a sloppy little bogey on three. And then Minwoo, just now tied for the lead, lays up out of the right rough on four and then rinses his wedge approach. Ends up, I think he made a seven or a. Did make a seven. And then, and then Minwoo kind of got it going again. But everybody around Scheffler just kept falling off, falling off. Just when Matsuyama, he got up to a 10, 11 under and then boom, fell back. Everybody was falling back around him. And that's a great point you made because at a, an event like that, with as much trouble as there is around that golf course, let, let the other guys make the mistake. I honestly, Johnson, yesterday, until his tee shot on five, it's not like he hit bad shots, but I didn't think he centered anything to, to exactly the way that he wanted to until he hit his tee shot on five. And by the time that shot was struck, he had a bigger lead than he did from when the day had started. <laughs> right. Because he did, not, he did not make the big mistake himself. He didn't give a shot or two back to the field on a golf course, which, by the way, and I, I got to get your thoughts on, on this golf course for the week. But again, I'm, I'm with you. I think he is, we, we do this sometimes. We start handing out like this budget of majors to players. And that can be a dicey exercise because there's four of them. Injury, distraction. I don't think distraction is, is a, a real threat here. I just, I just don't. The guy was wearing slacks in Dallas when he was 12 because he wanted to play on the tour. This is what he wanted to do, but yet... He centered in a way in terms of his faith and the things that matter to him. Like he has this perspective about what you can't control and what you can, which usually requires you to roll your odometer like past the age of 40 to even consider those types of things. And he's doing that already. And you couple that with this, this skill set of talent that he may plot his way to that number, which is not really plotting. Because he's, although he did fist pump yesterday on 18 in a way that I'm like, wow, where did that come from? That was new. It was new. I mean, when you make a par like that and drain it to win, I was wanting that to go in. Big crowd, tournament was over. And yeah. to finish it that way just shows the kind of competitor he is. He knew he could, he could, he could have six putted from there and won. And he decided to go ahead and bury that par putt and kind of remain the last 15 holes bogey free. Like I just thought it showed a lot of guts. And I think he would have been the same if he needed to make that putt to win. He showed the same type of emotion. And I mean, you know, I, I can't say enough about the guy. I'm a huge fan. And I know I agree with you about putting majors on guys, but I just think he's got the kind of game that, that can sustain for a long period of time and not hit that wall as we've seen so many guys hit. Here's one last thing. You tell me your thought as well. Uh, you, you mentioned Ted Scott. The stuff matters. At the end of the day, he hits the shots. Uh, Randy Smith's another factor that I think is really positive for him. This is not some sensei who's trying to find, you know, some elusive holy grail for each guy. He allows them to have their own fingerprints on their golf swings. There is not some, you know, pursuit of a perfection which is unattainable. Randy Smith has been in this rodeo a long, long time. Um, that's another huge asset for me from a long-term standpoint in terms of keep the mind clear, absent of thought, and th with that will come an absence of fear likely just go out there and hit golf shots. And to that point, like Scheffler has a unique swing. That's one of my favorite things about him is that his swing is his own. And you know, that right foot slide move with the driver and longer irons, 
That is a fade move. That's a Mark Kalkovecki move. That is body transition to that left side completely. And that just shows how, like five, you mentioned the tee shot he hit on five. Perfect fade hole. He took driver out. Min Wu hit iron down that left side. And Scheffler put it in a spot where you just, you, there's a mistake right, there's a mistake left. And he took it on because he owns his shape. He's had such good training and he's allowed to swing the club like he swings it. I, I mean, that's a great point. Randy is, Randy's unbelievable and has done a lot of good work with a number of players over the years. That is a, a rock as far as a coach is concerned. Okay, that's a bow for now on, on Scheffler. Now let's talk about this venue. I'm I'm a huge fan. I, I'm I think it's, I think it's it's grown into becoming. Even though I, I listen, I played this golf course in 1983 when I was 15. Uh, and it was so damn rugged, and it was wild. And and I understand that that with you know double wide cart pass and this this the, the enormity of this event requires an infrastructure to to have it. It can't be the jungle that it was 40 years ago but it's provocative and it's interesting thoughts on the setup for the week and understanding there are a lot of things they can't control. Well, one of my favorite things about this golf course is that it truly favors no one. And I was doing some, I'm doing golf central this week at Valspar and I was going over that yardage book and I was so blown away by Valspar. And I always have been, you have to work the ball both ways around there. And that, as I was watching the players, it's the same exact thing. You look at one fade hole, two draw hole, four, Fate hole, fate hole. And it's, it's, it, it's such a good mixture of shot shapes off the tee. And if you're a guy like Scheffler that primarily hits a cut off the tee, you have to hit, be able to hit a three wood or dial back on those draw holes like two and a number of others. But I, I, 18, I just love a place that makes you think as much as it does off of the tee. And then, and then once you put it in play, it doesn't get any easier. Those green complexes are small and they sit at weird angles. The fifth hole is one of the most awkward angles of a green you can have. And, and I just think it was really thoughtfully done. They've made incredible tweaks over the years. The new 12th hole, which I believe debuted five or six, seven years ago, is a wonderful addition. And where it sits on that back nine, having a drivable par four option with tons of trouble left, I I think they've done a good job cultivating that golf course. And when I played it from 07 to 17 or 18, it was played in May. It was all Bermuda. I think the March date, with weather, pretty good weather this week. I think the the course shows so much better as an overseeded golf course. It feels more like a major championship when it when it plays that way. Yeah, I'm with you. March is the right time. It sets up. It's 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 a it's not a precursor. It stands alone as a massive championship, but it sets in motion this this you know quote whatever championship season. I'm with you about the agronomics. It's better in in the month of May. The weather for the fans, all of it. Um, as far as the setup that we got as the week progressed, they had certain weather, you, you know, when wind lays down, I don't care how uncomfortable they can be on certain holes. You guys are too damn good. You're going to undress it. It got undressed big time on Saturday. Did they err in any way in terms of the setup on Saturday? You, you can't, you cannot control the weather. And, and I mean, it rained a lot Friday afternoon. Yeah. It's what blew them off the golf course. So, you know, all the players will agree. Justin Thomas has said it famously a couple times when you have soft greens, like guys are going to eat it to pieces. And, and you saw the way 16 was holding on Sunday. Guys were able to throw long irons into that green and have it stop. It's just, it's just the way it is. I thought it was shaping up without rain to be wildly entertaining over the weekend, but the rain came and it was, it was still, entertaining yeah no it was it was it was absolutely entertaining look we had I don't recall a time um look we had we had three ones on 17 you had scores on holes 
that ranged from one to ten. Where was the ten? The, the ten was on eighteen. I think Aaron Wise made a ten on on the eighteenth hole. Um, you had hole apps from the fairway. Justin Thomas made two on eighteen from like one forty seven, which is just absurd. Yeah, you get uh, down there that far. I mean, come on. Um, and and you had Max Homa shell the flagstick on twelve on the fly with driver. <laughs> and it stayed up. And it, it, it stayed up, which is insane. Like the quality and and not to mention like all these guys hitting shots to kick in range from 176 and you know 157. Like, are you nuts? Like the quadrants of these greens are are they're not they're not finite. But the average green size here is right around 5,500 square average square feet, um, which is not massive. No, they're small. No, they're they're small. Um, I I thought the shot making display was fabulous, which leads me to this: um, the reason why the decisions that were made last week that you and I had not had a chance to discuss um, were were challenging for me to accept is that. This past week amplifies why the tour, the PGA Tour is in the position they're in because of the depth of talent. Look at the leaderboard, and yes, you want stars that are going to be there, but the fact that all these guys are capable on a given week, including a week in which 25 million is on the line and they're not buckling by and large, you should celebrate that, not minimize it. I'm with you completely. I'm, I'm personally shocked and a little bit horrified of the tour's decision to make these designated fields next year 70 to 80 players i i uh i loved watching nick taylor in the final group of the waste management phoenix open with scheffler and rom and nick taylor was the only one pushing scheffler that day and and with with these new field sizes next year we're not going to get that story i mean nick will probably be in there because he's had such a good year this year but who's the nick taylor next year that's going to be you know put on the bench put on the sideline for these big events and the one thing i will say about it, like Rory McIlroy made some good points in his press conferences on press conference Tuesday after that player meeting at the players. He said that you know Tiger Woods won twenty six no cut events. There's a, there's a great, it's a very clever tour talking point. I get it. He's winning all those if there's a cut or not. It, I mean, right. I, I mean, and, and by the way, the overwhelming majority of those ones were were a byproduct of the World Golf Championship Series, which was a tour creation. And it wasn't the World Golf Championship Series. It was the United States Golf Championship Series and a country to be named later. They never, they never cultivated markets outside of the United States to the degree that they should have. And they're bringing this back and they're doubling the number. Uh, and I do think in time that they're going to tweak it. So I'm not going to go completely insane about it. Um, but that, that, that talking point about Palmer and Nicholas and Tiger and their no-cut wins, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all it is. And, and I agree. And they, they're like, it's only eight no-cut events. Well, baloney, you baloney. got three playoff events that are no-cut events as well. You're, you're cutting so that's, the that's, field after the event is over. That's 11 no-cut events. And then you've got the four majors. That's, yep. that's 15. Yep. And the Players' Championship, that's 16 events. I mean, these top players don't have to play too many more. And I know Rory talked heavily about, well, I don't like to take more than three weeks off. I'm going to play a few of these. Yeah, they'll play a few. But they'll, they'll play... Other than the majors, they'll play four no-cut events. I mean, four cut events. And, you know, we talked a lot in the preview show for the season about Tiger Woods's cut record, which I put up against Cal Ripken's consecutive games played record. Like, nobody's, nobody's touching it. Yep. Well, may, maybe now maybe now that's possible. Yeah, I still think it's untouchable, even though you're giving them, you're, you're giving them 
more opportunities to be average and survive a, a, a no-cut event. The churn rate that they keep talking I, another, about. Another thing that I hate, I, I hate that term. These terms that these guys are trotting out, you're running a golf tour. These are golf tournaments. Stop it with cadence and churn and product. We're not running an accounting firm. We're not making widgets. We're, we're, these are golf tournaments. And, and, and have a little respect for the viewing audience. Stop using these terms and having all these guys run out there and giving them essentially a cheese sheet. Talk about churn. There's not enough churn in my estimation. Well, if you make that top 50 this year, five guys are going to fall out of that top 50 next year. Five. I mean, you, you're, you're guaranteed eight no-cut events with huge purses, bigger points as well. They're talking about putting them damn near up there with the majors as far as FedEx Cup points. Right. And so for what you have to do in these non-designated events to finish inside the top 50, like think about being a rookie. I think being a rookie this year is tough enough. Think about being a rookie on the PGA Tour next year. You're not going to get in any of these big events. You are behind the eight ball. You're, you're, basically, you're basically giving those top 50 players 500 points. That's for playing pretty average in those eight events over a guy that would take that takes so that's a win to get 500 FedEx cut points so to, to keep your card as a rookie is already hard enough and now it's 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 gonna be next to impossible it's gonna be very hard and they also you know I think that they are they are doing the right things when it comes to the the immediate entrance for let's say you know the the, the guy who's number one on PGA Tour U um, is now not you know, Corn Ferry Tour eligible. He's now getting a tour card, and he should. He should, because college golf has become even more so a feeder system to professional elite golf. And with the presence of Liv, and they're going to be targeting these guys. And, and the entry point cannot be, all right, well, how long is it going to be before I'm going to be in a position to get through the vortex all of all these layers to get into these des into the designated series, essentially, you're making yourself vulnerable, to, in my estimation, to a degree. And listen, I'm not here to act as if Horatio Alger drives the interest level in any professional Who? sport. Star <laughs> the underdog. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's but right. But the door has got to be open for the for the underdog. And think about it. They're, they're, I think they're giving five spots to those designated events based on uh, tournament list between the events. You, you better win. And, of course, if you win a golf tournament on the PGA Tour, you're going to be in everything. But... The guys that get in those five spots are, are going to be the guys that win the non-designated events. I, it, it's going to be so hard to qualify for them if you're not in that top 50. Yeah, I um, and and I love the conversation. I think it's interesting to talk to people who who feel like this is the right thing to do. Look, I think that 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 making certain changes to to reward the best players to a larger degree, it's done in every sport. But here's the thing, and it's it's hard to be analogous because this is golf. It's not the NFL. It's not the NBA. But when you take 32 times 53, that's a lot of em employment at the highest level in the National Football League. And you take, you know, 29 or 30 times 15 in the NBA. You know what I'm talking about. 25 in, in, the, in the Major League Baseball. Stars drive every, every, every single entity in professional sports. But there have to be enough guys who are given the opportunity to rise to that level. So when they do, it's the story that it should be. And without that, without entry onto that stage, you're depriving yourself in a sport that every score has a story. There's a story behind every score in golf. If you don't provide enough opportunity for those guys, you're, you're, you're leaving behind something that is a fabric of this game.
It's what makes it so good. The turnover rate. There's 50 new rookies, ever, not rookies necessarily, but there's 50 new cards every year. That's what the PGA Tour prides itself on. And there's not that many members. There's 200 members of the PGA Tour, maybe 175 kind of in that area. And now you cut it down to be fully exempt. You've got to be top 70, but that's not really fully exempt. It's top 50. So we're doing so well. The PGA Tour, the structure is doing great. We're, we're making a ton of money. Why are we eliminating jobs? And J.J. Henry said this years ago in a PAC meeting that the tour wanted to go from 125 exempt cards to 120 because the optics look better. 120 first playoff event, 60 to 30. It's cut into the field in half. Doesn't that make a lot of sense optically? And J.J. stood up in this PAC meeting and said, he said, hey, we just signed a new TV deal. Like, our business is thriving. Why are we firing people? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And... I get that the big time players drive the the market, and, 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 and should and they should, and they are getting compensated, right? Big time. But but Bay Hill has in, in the Memorial, and and now Genesis, the LA Open. These are rich history events, and now you're all of a sudden making them a glorified World Golf Championship event. You're you're eliminating the cut. Like I wonder what Arnold Palmer would have thought about the API going to a no cut seventy five man field. I don't I don't think I don't think he would have liked it. I I don't think he would have liked it either. Um, and you know, somebody, somebody, I said a few things about that. I'm, I'm not a fan of this. And one of the things that I'm, I just, I've been reading this book by Michael Bamberger called the ball in the air. And it's, it's the story of, you know, it's not important what the story is about, but there's a line in there about how important it is for how you play every day, because weekends aren't guaranteed in professional golf. And somebody said to me, things always change. Yes, there's always a lot of change in everything, but the bedrock never changes. The bedrock of every sport stays the same because it holds up the foundation because, yes, there's change that comes. And to your point about it's going to be harder to break through and into these events, there has to be a punishment and there has to be jeopardy for not being good enough a certain week other than slogging it out and playing two extra rounds and, and still getting points and still getting paid. There has to be consequence for not being good enough for a certain week. Well, and, and when you miss a cut and you don't get those extra two rounds to prepare for the next week, yeah. it's a big deal. I remember uh, 2008, my second year on tour, I was playing terrible. Had made two cuts early in the year. The week before the Houston Open was my first win. We were in New Orleans. And I made the cut on the number. Played terrible Saturday, went out Sunday, shot 69, found something on that golf course. And I, without that day on Sunday, going to Houston the next week, no way I win that golf tournament. Like, and it's little things like that. I mean, I finished 70th in the tournament in New Orleans, but it propelled me on to having a good week the next week. Like, people don't understand. Like, John Rahm plays terrible gets four rounds an event, that is a big deal for him to, when he should have missed a cut, to get those two extra reps, those two extra rounds, that like that is a big deal. And and like Jordan Spieth making, making the cut after hitting the guy off a knee and chipping in, you know, he shot six under on the weekend, finished 19th. That, like, it, it's a big deal. And with that, like, I just... Made $275,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Tied for 19th. I just... That I, opportunity, that opportunity was there because that happened. If, if he hits it in the water and he finishes tied for 43rd, nobody cares. Uh, he, he doesn't give that Marine who he hit in the knee the free weekend of, and that guy didn't apparently want anything, and good for him. Like, he wasn't extorting. Right. Uh, right. Jordan right. all of a sudden for like, yeah, get me, you know, a dozen hospitality passes. Like that, like, I go back to Rory at the Open Championship at Port Rush, and he shot a zillion. 
And on that Friday, he's out there fighting his ass off to get to the weekend. He didn't get there, but we were, we were leaning in to see if he would. And I get it. It's the open championship, but why, why are the best players in the world not put under the greatest challenge? And the challenge is that every day has got to be good enough, not great, but good enough. And if it's not, the jeopardy exists on Friday that you're going home and there's a consequence. You, you, can't, you can't let the overwhelming majority of the best players play in a way that is not similar or the same to the balance of your membership. Right. Well, and, and just to extrapolate a little bit, I thought the Live Tour was basically dead in the water. And I felt like this decision by the tour basically you know, they're given mouth to mouth. They're resuscitating the live tour with this decision because tour's not going to lose any of those big top guys anymore. But think about the mid range player. They've already gotten a guy like Brendan Steele and not that lives going to succeed with that, but you're going to, you're going to make enough of these 70 to a hundred ish sort of FedEx cup players really mad with this decision and giving them more incentive to go and, 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 and take the money. Last thing on, on this, the 70 to 100. And, and I am very fond of Peter Malnati and I think he was thrust into a, a challenging situation representing essentially the rank and file of the membership in a room full of, 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 of bullies, so to speak. They're not literally bullies, but, but they, have, they got all the hand. They got all the stroke. And, and he came out and said he, he was convinced that this was the right thing. And one of his key talking points was that if 80 to 100 get into designated events, they won't play in any of the non-designated events. Why would you send him out there with nonsensical, a nonsensical narrative that, that applies perfectly to him? Because last year was 101 in the FedEx Cup standings. He played 31 events. Also, by the way, you're presuming you're going to play well enough to have the luxury to not play. But let, let, let's say you don't. Peter Malnati is going to go from playing 31 events, but because he was 101, is going to get into designated events. He's going to turn his back on the 3M and the Rocket Mortgage and the John Deere and, and the, the Amex. Stop! I mean, maybe if you win two of those designated events, but if, if he's getting in the field, there are 120-man fields. And at that point, there are certainly no guarantees, right? I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole point. And, and those guys towards the end of the year, whoa, I'm sitting at 100th on the money list again. I better go play. Barbasol, John Deere, all the events. They would be. Of course they would be. Of course they would. All right, enough on that. All right, let's get to, as, as we head forward, um, I feel like, look, d despite whatever you think about the scheduling changes, the fact is is that if you look who, who has won um, this season and the combination of, of the designated events and, and, and Kurt Kitayama, Kurt Kitayama would have been in Bay Hill, okay? He would have been. Um, there were a couple other guys who were on the first page of that leaderboard. Mm, you know, touch and go. But my point is, the tour has amazing momentum going to Augusta National. We're, we're less than a month away. Based on what you've seen, um, who are you thinking? Who are you beyond Scheffler who has every reason to believe that there, there's every reason to believe he can defend? Absolutely. It's happened a handful of times. There's no reason to think that he can't do it himself. Last one to really have a chance was Spieth, 15-16. And, and it was disheartening to see what happened to him uh, on the 12th hole uh, that particular year. But that's another story. Give me five names that you're bullish on with, with basically four weeks out. 
Max Homa. Yeah. Has entered a realm in his golf game where no doubt. he plays bad and he finishes 15th. Like, I mean, I don't know what he finished at Bay Hill, but it was in that top 20 and he was in the top 20 at the players too. So when he, he just has seemed to step his game up to a whole new level. He is pretty much an exclusive fader of the golf ball. So I don't necessarily love that around Augusta, but I think his game, his short game, his putting, I think he's going to be there. Obviously you've got to say John Rahm. I mean, number two player in the world. I, well, I'm going with my heart here, but I want Roy McIlroy to win the Masters. I love him. Uh, I mean, what a great time we're in with an era of two young superstars that we get to see every year have a chance to complete the career grand slam. Like I, I'll be picking Jordan Spieth to win the PGA this year at Oak Hill just because I want to see him do it. But uh, Spieth's always a factor at, yeah, at the Masters. Um, so I'm going to go Homa, Rom, McIlroy, Spieth, and then a little bit off the wall. I'm going to give my gosh, Harold Varner a little love. I mean, I'm not a fan wow. of his decision, but I played yeah. with him last week. He's flushing it. There's my dark horse to have a good week at the Masters. Yeah, it's interesting for those guys. Um, a couple things. I th I don't think somebody like Harold, um, although I think that Harold's, you know, a very human person, and we're all affected by certain things that are, are – and I've, I've seen him on social media recently being incredibly diplomatic and dignified, responding to people – who were saying really ridiculous stuff to him. Um, the live guys at, at Augusta National, DJ, I, I can see him being so insulated from care. Um, you know what I mean? Yes. In, in a really, really effective way, where these other guys, like, whew. Now, now Patrick Reed is, is wired in a way that is borderline sociopathic. <laughs> I, I just, I'm telling you, I it's mean, he, he just... That that is that is the way that he comports himself in 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 situations where other people would crumble is sociopathic, um, and and you know God forbid that I'll, I'll get slapped you know into a lawsuit. Don't care um, because they're all ridiculously frivolous. Um, he's another guy who I, I think could 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 kind of swim in the, in really turbulent water there. I just think it's going to be challenging for those guys because the self conscious component. I think is very real. Are they going to be allowed to wear their like team uniforms at Augusta? I you're you're asking what I think is a funny question, but it's actually a reasonable question. I've been worried about it. Like I, I don't know why Augusta. I mean, you can wear a Budweiser hat at Augusta. Why couldn't you wear a Range Goats hat? But I, I, I think it would. Oh my be, God! What day is it? I think it. Would we be. have come to the point. This is the the apocalypse. You've just said in 2023, why can't you wear a range? No, I'm not saying I don't. I don't want to see it. I just <laughs> no, wonder. I, I wonder. I wonder what they're thinking. Like, I think it would be extremely disrespectful to the Masters and to all the members at Augusta National if they came in there with all that kind of stuff on. But, yeah. No. I. I. I you know. Look. They, the, Augusta National does a a remarkable job, regardless of circumstance of navigating the week. You can talk about all the, the various episodic things that have happened uh, through time, whether it was Martha Burke, whether it was Tiger, you know, after 2009, coming back in 2010, um, they'll figure out a way to, to navigate this thing for sure. I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm feeling you on, on all the guys that you said. I think, Harold, I get it. I get it. It's also a personal thing uh, with you. I, I, the thing with Homa that's interesting is that like you're right. Like he is, he is, he doesn't just like fade to 27th. He ascends to tied for sixth when he's not really discussed, and like he's in a different place. There's no doubt, and it's 
awesome to see guys rise to a level where it's like I have an expectation of myself and and there's this Kevlar that's wrapped around their minds that, you know, somehow, come hook or crook, I'm going to figure out a way to finish in the top ten. His post-round interview after Sunday at the, at the Genesis uh, in L.A., I was absolutely blown away by the guy. I've been a huge fan. I mean, we obviously love him here in Charlotte. He's a two-time champion yep. at Wells Fargo. Now, last year was up in D.C., but sure. it was his first win back in 19. 19. And by the way, he wouldn't have been in the field. He was outside the top 400 in the world as a designated event. There'd be no Max Homa outplaying Rory, playing with him on the weekend at Quail. You're telling me that that didn't jumpstart his career? Huh. Yes, the inevitability of him winning somewhere else? Absolutely. But he won there, on that golf course, in that field. Because he was given the opportunity. Because he was and given the opportunity. And those stories can happen every single week. But yeah. I, I, Doesn't I just, have to be 156. Got to be at least 100. They've got to amend that. I, I'm with you. All right. Let me, let me finally get to this because I go back to the beginning of the year when you and Taylor Zarzer got all giddy uh, talking about Tiger. And, and you guys have this, this, I get it. He is what he is. And that won't ever go away. But at some point, the reality of, of the circumstance of how much he can play and how compromised he is physically is going to eventually set in. It's already set in for me. He did not go to the players. There was enough of a window off of what should have been an encouraging week um, at the Genesis. So, so what's reasonable to expect? Well, first of all, he made a mistake playing that Wednesday Pro-Am at Genesis. That was just not right. And you saw him Sunday. The swing speed was down. He was exhausted come Sunday. But um, I really wanted to see him play Bay Hill or the players. I he, he showed me enough at Genesis. I actually covered that week for PGA Tour Live and, and like had so much fun watching him play golf. Sure. I mean, I think if he, his best stuff is still good enough to win. I just don't think he can do it for four straight days around Augusta. I, I, I don't think he can do it four straight days around anywhere. And, it, and, and again, this is not trying to be, this is not trying to be like Mr. Hot Take. It's just, you just said something that if, if you just take it in the context of, of, of like the authentic, authentic way you meant it like we've reduced him now to him playing a pro-am is too much it was too, it was too much it was too much so, so how is it achievable for him to show up anywhere which is going to be his event in the four major championships where the examination is the most stern deepest field most heat and he's going to jump up and have a micro strike and win a major championship again yes that's him it's 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 as close to an impossibility as there has ever been. You got to believe, Gary. I, I, I don't, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> when he won in 19, which at that time, and, and it should remain the holy grail of climbing to the summit again, the build to get there was significant. Go back to 2018 and what he did. He had a really, really good year. Not only touched the lead, but took the lead at the Open Championship in July of 2018. Okay, on the 10th hole, so through 63 holes he was leading. A month later, he shot 64 in the final round. It was the last line of defense for Brooks Kepka. And oh, by the way, won the Tour Championship. Then go to the next year. Starts out, top 10s, gets to the match play, clips Rory on a Saturday morning. That was his last thought before he went to Augusta. All those things are unachievable. He can't build to anything even remotely close to that now. I'm so looking forward to talking to you after I, the I, Open I Championship. I want to be wrong. He's going to win at Hoylake this oh year. Oh, my God. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, seriously, he. I don't think he can win Augusta this year. It's just or ever again. It's too hilly. I mean, it would be great if he did. Oak Hill's too hilly. L.A. Country Club's a little too hilly as well. I, I, I think I think Hoy Lake's perfect for him. Of course, it's perfect for him. He, he, he was he was absurdly good seventeen years ago. He looked really good at Riviera. He looked really good at Riviera. He drove the ball incredible. He showed he drove it straighter than he's driven it in so long. And I and think, what did he finish? Uh, Outside the top forty. He, and and again, the next time he shows up, like I I I just at some point it's got to sit in. And it doesn't mean that when he's fifty one or fifty two that he can't finish in the top fifteen in a major because he is who he is. He is a genius. But the physical limitations prevent him from doing the fundamental things that are required to win major championships, and that is to build to some degree. Yeah, and if you're not playing competitive golf, you have the putt on Sunday from eight feet for par. Like, you're not used to that pressure, and you could see it at Riv. Like, his putting was not where it needed to be, and I think that's really the only thing that held him back other than his leg. I think his putting was, and was, his pretty, back. was pretty poor. And, I mean, and he, I mean he, we, we, we talk about his fused back as if, like he threw his back out once when he was 16. You're not going to hear me say anything negative about Tiger Woods. I love the it's guy. It's not about I, being negative. No, it's I just know. about being Hoylake. Realistic. Wait, wait, wait. Like when he shows up on Thursday at Hoylake and it's 49 degrees and it's ripping 25. It's, I've already checked the weather. It's <laughs> it's going to be warm, firm, fast. It's going to look just like it did in 06. All right, my friend. I, I look forward to many discussions like this one. Um, you have got. You've got uh, Golf Central this week? Golf Central this week for Valspar. And then I go to Dominican Republic on the ground for the opposite field event, opposite the match play. So excited. I'm busy. This March has been been nuts. It's been nuts. Uh, We are thrilled that you are part of this team. Looking forward to – got a lot of stuff to do between now and the Masters. So I'm looking forward to that. We do indeed. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Gary.